targeted living. Oh, this is such a beautiful topic. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Targeted living. So I looked it up from the Webster Dictionary. A target is, number one, is defined as a shield or a buckler of a small kind used as a defensive weapon in a war. So I don't know about you, I've watched Captain America. So <laughs> that's, that's the target that he used, his shield. So that was used, that's a target. And the second definition of, ta- of a target is it is a mark for the artillery to fire at in their practice. So a target is important both for defense and for attack. And um, in Captain America, we notice that he's the one throwing his shield to attack the enemy. And also he would use that to defend himself. So a target is used both for defense and attack. So what is a target? A target is a focal point. It's a point of focus for concentrated energy, for concerted efforts to be released. So when you're focusing, you're targeting a point and you're releasing your attention. You're releasing your focus. So we have seen the power of focus like in laser beams. They can use laser now, laser beams to cut even gold. They can use laser for operations. So laser operates with the, with the principle of focus. And we have seen the power of focus also, of course, used in cameras. The power of focus used in electricity, in energy, in solar energy. So focus is actually very, very important and very powerful. And as far as people are concerned, being able to focus is very, very important for us. Having the power to focus, to concentrate is very, very important. And I would say that it's vital. If you cannot focus, if you cannot concentrate, if the eyes cannot focus, then your eyes become debilitated. If your mind cannot focus, your mind also becomes debilitated. And you cannot really function. So the power to target, the power to focus is vital and is our God-given ability. Can we say amen? And to focus involves fencing off distractions. To focus involves setting up priorities. And let's go back to the way that we live. Because Christianity is about living with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a way of living. Living the God kind of life and living with Jesus in us, the hope of glory. Living with the Holy Spirit, our counselor on the inside. He's the one leading us and guiding us in all truth. So let's talk about the different ways to live. As far as the world is concerned, there are ways that people live. One way is to live like a drifting life. It's like a boat that is drifting. Carried away, blown about. You never know what's going to happen. How do I predict the future? I can't tell. So you are drifting in your way of living. 
It's like a boat in the ocean. Depending on where the wind blows, depending on whether we have the wind today, depending on whether the water is deep or shallow. Well, I don't know when the storms are going to come. So it's like a man walking in darkness. He cannot steer his way at all. He is a victim to situations and circumstances. A drifting kind of lifestyle is a person who is adopting a casual attitude. Somebody who is unlearned, unprepared, untrained, not ready, and so they easily become victims. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse thirteen to fourteen. Ecclesiastes two, verse thirteen to fourteen. When I saw that wisdom excels folly, as far as light excels over darkness, so wisdom is better than folly. Light is better than darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So the way you think, the way you perceive. Will determine the life that you live. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. That means it's not good for us not to have knowledge. It's not good for us to be drifting. It's not good for us. Let's look at Proverbs chapter five, verse six. Proverbs chapter five, verse six, referring to a foolish woman. She gives no thought to the way of life, no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, and she does not even know it. So the Bible tells us to live intentionally. The Bible tells us to live with targets and goals. The Bible tells us to be targeted in the way that we live. Hosea chapter four verse six. We all know this scripture very well. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You may have all the education in the world. You may be very educated as far as electricity is concerned. You may be very educated as far as the human body is concerned. But if you don't have divine knowledge, if you don't understand the realm of the spirit. If you don't know spiritual laws, if you don't know that your spirit matters, and all that you care about is just your soul, the way you think, you feel, and the way that you make up your decisions, make up your mind, then the Bible says that you will be destroyed for lack of knowledge, because there is a destroyer. Out there, his name is the devil. His name is Satan. His name is Lucifer, and he's always seeking to steal and to kill and to destroy. His work is progressive, and he will lead you down to his trap, and you don't even know. But when we have knowledge, knowledge brings light to our paths. Knowledge brings light, and knowledge brings sight. Because when you're lit up on the inside, that's how you can see. So one important target for our life is to have knowledge, God-given knowledge, heaven-sent knowledge. 
Let's look at Proverbs chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. And we need to be purposeful when it comes to acquiring divine knowledge. Yes, if you cry after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, you shall then shall you understand the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of all wisdom, and find the knowledge of God. So this is very clear. We are to know the knowledge of God. We're not talking about facts and information. We're not talking about the human intelligence. We're not talking about doing an MBA. No, we're talking about pursuing the knowledge of God and pursuing understanding There are three areas of knowledge that we all must know, and they are very clearly presented in the Bible, the knowledge of man. You need to know yourself. We need to know how people function. Number two, the knowledge of God. Actually, it's the knowledge of God first in terms of priority. The knowledge of God is to know him. And to know the power that he has. And to know his way of doing things. So that's number one, the knowledge of God. Number two is the knowledge of man. I talked about that just now. Knowing how people operate. Knowing our weaknesses. Knowing how we ourselves can be subject to temptations. Subject to attacks. We need to rise up in our spirit. And number three, knowing the works of demons, devils. How they operate so that you can conquer them. You can defeat them. And the Bible has presented all these three areas of knowledge to us very clearly. So if we just have a casual attitude, if we are unlearned, if we are unprepared, if we are untrained, then we are not ready for the battles of life. Well, you ask me, Pastor Dora, can I just stay away from the battles? My answer to you is, sorry, no. Because your life is the battlefield. This is the battlefield. When we were born, we were born into the battlefield. I hope that all of us know that by now. Can we say amen? Amen. So just now we read Proverbs chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. Can we have the scriptures again? I want to highlight those words for you. It's very important that we know the heart of God. Now, the word of God says that if you cry after, I like that. The word of God says, lift up your voice for understanding. Seek her as silver. Search for her as for hidden treasure. Wow. Four. The number four is the word. Number four means global. All right. Everybody has to do that. That means you have to adopt a very proactive attitude. God is not a cheapo. God does not live in the convenience store. We have to adopt a very proactive attitude. You notice all those verbs are very proactive. Cry after, lift up your voice, seek her, search for her. So they're all very intentional efforts that we have to put in. All very intentional efforts that we have to put in. God can only point you to the way, but he will not do it for you because your life is yours. Everyone is his own master. Nobody can force you. Nobody can force you. Only you can make your own decisions. Can we say amen? So it's very intentional. 
It's not casual. It's not, by the way, it's not when it's convenient or when I have time. No. So living intentionally is the wise way to go. Living intentionally is the wise way to go. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have had the experience of, oh, I'll do that. I think I'll do that when I have time. I'll do that when I do that. And you never do it. How many of us have had that experience? But when you plan to do it, you plan to do it, and you intentionally set aside, intentionally put aside time to do it, and you intentionally budget your money to do it, then you will do it. Isn't that right? So being intentional is very important. And I'm talking, <laughs> is it okay if I talk about relationships? Yes. So what about our marriage? Well, the word of God says, wives honor your husband. Husbands love your wives. Well, I will love her when I like it. I love her when she's good to me. I'll honor him when I feel like it. I'll honor him when he deserves the honor. Will that happen? Will that happen at all? No. Why? Because there is no intent. There is no intention in there. You haven't prepared yourself. You haven't set your mind. But how many of us know that when we meditate the word of God on marriage, when we meditate the word of God on human relationships, the Holy Spirit will come all over you and tell you, this is the way to live. (laughs) Why? Because I have set aside time to intentionally put his word in my heart. And his word will be a light unto your path and a lamb unto your feet. Can we say amen? Being intentional is very, very powerful. And the same with parenting. The same with parenting. If you're not intentionally putting the word of God in your heart about parenting, you'll always be just yapping, yapping and nagging and nagging. But when you have the word of God intentionally in your heart, the word of God will make a way for you. It is the way of wisdom. It's the way of life. And the same with sickness and disease. The same. If we don't put the word of God on healing and well-being in our hearts, when sickness comes, you come, why? Because you don't have the shield. But when you are targeted, when you live target targeting divine healing and when you live targeting attacking those demons of sickness and disease you have your shield ready to throw at the devil and also to defend yourself can we say amen it is so so powerful and so so important if you look at proverbs chapter 14 verse 18 proverbs 14:18 the simple inherit folly But the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The word simple means casual. Have a casual attitude. It's okay. It'll be all right. It'll happen if it happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. If God wants to heal me, he will heal me. If it's not his will to heal me, then I won't be healed. That's a casual attitude. That's being simple. Simple means it's... The, the word simple in the King James does not mean that you are innocent like a child. No, it means that you're stupid. <laughs> stupid, a simpleton is a stupid man that has no knowledge, not taught, not trained, have no insight, have no wisdom, have no understanding. 
And that's why the inheritance for a fool is folly. But the prudent, the word prudent means the knowledgeable. The ones who acquire knowledge, the ones who are trained. They are sensible, they are diligent, and they are wise. And that's why they are crowned with knowledge. Once again, I repeat, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of men, and the knowledge of demons. Three important areas. And there are those that just live. They are not drifting, but they are surviving. There are many survivors out there that we have met. They are just surviving. So what they are doing is they're making it tough in life. Life is tough. We better survive. We better beat it. They are just surviving. And they're going from storm to storm, one storm after another, from one flood to the next. They are the ones preparing for the worst and hope for the best. Let's, let's, yeah, we hope for the best, but let's prepare for the worst. Always prepare for the worst. You never know, you never know what your future holds. You don't know what the future is like. You know, God may love us, but also he may beat us up. God giveth and God taketh away. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, there is a darkness hanging over them. There is a darkness hanging over them. A darkness of fear at the back of their mind. And they dare not... To believe God for a good future. Somehow they are just afraid that what they hope for will not come to pass. And I don't want to blame it on God. So let's hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And they carry a lot of cares, burdens, anxieties. Everything is on themselves, on their shoulders, living a cautious, defensive, and fearful life. I have to tell you that God has not made us to live like that. He's the God of the whole universe. His kingdom rules over all. He's the Lord of the nations. He's the Lord of your body. He's the Lord of your life. Those who trust in him, what does the word of God say? Shall not be ashamed. The key is, are you ready? Are you willing? Do you have the guts to trust in his word, in his lordship, in what is written? And do you know the word? Do you know the word of God strong enough, clear enough that within you, there are no uncertainties. Amen. Because you cannot believe if you are uncertain on the inside. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 22 to 23. Ecclesiastes 2, 22 to 23. We're talking about targeted living. Can you say that with me? Targeted living. Well, I've married a woman. I don't know how long she's going to stay to be my wife. She may leave me anytime. Wow, that's terrible, isn't it? I've given birth 
has lots of kids. I don't know when they will die. You know, accidents may take them. Sickness may take them. That's terrible to think like that. What kind of living is that? The Bible says, my Bible, I'm sure your Bible says the same thing. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Whose love is perfect? God's love for you. God's love for you. God's love for you. If you look at Proverbs, uh, sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 22 to 23. A survivor. For what hath man of all of his labor and of the vexation of his heart? Worried, anxious, worrying from morning to night, cannot sleep. Wherein he hath labored under the sun for all his days are sorrows and his travail grief. Yes, his heart takes not rest in the night. This is also vanity. The word vanity means useless, pointless. Even if you gain the whole world, but lose your soul is pointless. Go to Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 in the NIV. This is God speaking. This is God speaking. Would you receive his voice? Would you receive his word? For I know the plans I have for you. He knows. You need to get into his knowledge. For I know, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. The Lord declares the boss, <laughs> the Lord plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The King James said a future. The uh, Hebrew society, the Jews uh, society translating the Old Testament into English says an expected end, a hopeful future. So you have a hopeful future, an expected future, and an expected end. So our expectation has to do with our future. How you expect your future to turn out to be. Do you expect your future to turn out to be bad, or do you expect your future to turn out to be good? Our expectations matter. It's just like a, a pregnant woman. A pregnant woman is expecting to give birth, expecting to give birth to a healthy child, a healthy baby, a beautiful baby. So our expectations matter. Now, how many of you have used the GPS? So the GPS gives you a destination and shows to you the way to surely get there. Would you use a GPS that says to you, I'm not sure if I would take you to your destination. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how this way will turn out. Maybe I will take you away from where you want to go. Would you use that kind of GPS? Yes or no? No. Why? Because you expect to get there. The Bible says you're expecting, you're expecting end. You need to know where you're going. You need to know where you're going. You need to know what you want your future to be. And you pray it out. You claim it. 
You know and you see your future. That's your vision. And you pray it out. You fill it with hope. You fill it with faith. You fill it with joy. You fill it and you fill it with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Whatever you believe, you will see. Faith. Listen to last Sunday's sermon. Faith, the eye of faith. That's why God has given us faith so that we can use it. Remember, whatever God has given us is for us to use. Eyes to use, ears to use, right? Tongue to use, faith to use, love to use, knowledge to use. Can we say amen? We are made to be very active. That's why I kept saying you, saying to you, don't believe that you're old because you're 60, 70, 80. Come on. Remember, God kept the age after they had sinned to how old? 120. There are forces of life working in you. Come on, say with me, there are forces. One more time, forces in me, working for me. Amen. When you wake up in the morning, say, praise the Lord. Thank you. My body is healthy and strong. There are forces in me. Forces, forces, forces. How many of you know that this is the truth? There's power in your body. There's power in your body. There's power in your mind. There's power in you. Use it. Believe and use it. Say to the person next to you, believe and use it. Believe the good and you will get the good. Believe the good, you will get the good. Because the word good originally comes from the word God. What is from God is good. Believe the good and you will get the good. You believe the bad, that means you are believing in the works of the devil. And you will get it. He will deliver it to you. Can we say amen? Amen. So we need to target our life after the plan of God. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. To intentionally know and go after by the leading of the Holy Spirit. We are the ones to activate, to intentionally partake of God's plan for our lives. Can we say amen? Amen. It's good to have people pray for you, but don't depend on others to pray for you. The most important person who can pray for you is yourself. Christ is in you. The hope of glory. Can we say amen? Yes, we pray for one another, but don't be so dependent on one another that you can function healthily on your own. Can we say amen? God is very intentional. So let's get to know God. Isaiah 46 verse 10. Let's look at God. Because a lot of people say, I believe in God. I know God. I believe in God. But they don't really. Because they've never read their Bible. They're just being religious. The Bible tells us what God is like, his nature, his character, his way of doing things. If you don't read the word, you don't know him. You don't. You're kidding yourself. So if you look at God declaring the end from the beginning. If you want to build a house, you need to know what kind of house you like. You have a blueprint. Isn't that right? You have an architectural drawing. And then you start to build. So you're declaring the end from the beginning. So when you start to build your house, you're fully expecting that the house will turn out to be what you want it to be like. That's declaring the end from the beginning. 
So God says, I'm the Lord who healeth you. So that's declaring the end from the beginning. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. So I don't believe in luck. I believe in God's providence. I believe that he's ordering my steps. And I live it like that. It's not just head knowledge. It's not mental ascent, but practical living. Declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times, to things that are not yet done. My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasures. Isn't God intentional? Very much. Look at Isaiah 46 verse 11. The same chapter, verse 11, the next verse. Yes, I have spoken it, verse 11. I have spoken it. I also will bring it to pass. Can we have Isaiah 46, verse 11? Isaiah 46, verse 11. Yes, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Wow. Isn't God intentional? Isn't he purposeful? Isn't he efficient? Amen. Let's look at Jesus. John 16, verse 28. Look at Jesus. John 16, verse 28. What did Jesus say? I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. And again, I will leave the world and go back to the Father. He said, I'm coming here on a mission. Mission accomplished. I'm going back. <laughs> That's very intentional, right? And look at the Holy Spirit, John 16, verse 13. John 16, verse 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come? What's his intention? What is his target? What is his focus? Guide you into all truth. Guide you into, into all truth. He will show you things to come. Not when he likes it. He will. He has promised. He will show you things to come. Amen. I've had dreams that have come to pass. They are so real. And look at the apostle Paul. Paul lived very intentionally. Go to Philippians 3.14. If your, your way of living is kezera, zera, whatever will be, will be. And that's what you will get. Whatever will be, will be. But is that what you want to get? Whatever will be, will be. Oh, if I, got, if I get COVID, I'll get it. Is that what we want? Come on, louder. Is that what you want? No. <laughs> you must have an expect, an expectation. You must know what you want. I press. See, another very powerful verb, action verb. I press toward the mark, the target, the goal for the prize. He knows that there's a prize waiting for him of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Very, very intentional. So we have seen the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've also looked at Paul. Let's look at Philippians 3.14. Philippians 3.14. I press toward the goal for the prize of the high calling, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's partake of the word right now. Lift up your hands and receive that power to live intentionally unto the Lord, to live intentionally unto him. Amen. Okay, so to live intentionally, what do we need to do? Number one, 
We need to be filled with the love of the Father. For any one of us to function well in life, to live intentionally, we must be full of the love of the Father. Every one of us, we were born to be loved. Born to be loved. Every one of us. It's a vital ingredient that we need. And the Father is the one who supplies this for all of his sons and daughters. Amen. So don't ever think that your father, your God is watching you to condemn you, to find faults with you, to see what's wrong with you, because that won't be good for you. I understand that when it comes to work at the workplace, there's such a thing called performance review. There's such a thing called the KPI, the key performance, right? The key performance was the I for indicator. But God is not like that. We have to differentiate between our work and our life. It is so important to know that God loves you unconditionally. And it's out of that love you improve yourself. It's out of that love you start getting the performance. He will give you the power to perform. Can we say amen? But that has to be the first. Number one, get into the love, the security of the Father. It's very, very important to know his love, be safe, and to be secure in his love. And that's why every child grows up not at the workplace, but at home. Because the home is the place of love. You can't go to work and think that everybody should love me at work. No, they are there to work. Home is the place where you are loved. The church is where you are loved. Amen. It's that love that builds up your sense of security, your sense of well-being, your sense of safety. And you can only perform when you have that security and that safety in you. Can we say amen? Number two, filled with the word of God. So number one, be filled with the love of the Father. Number two, be filled with the word of God. Why? Because only the word can give you the strength. There's a lot going on in our world. There's a lot going on in our world. And we need the word to go against the tide of the world. To fortify us against the weakness of the fallen human nature. How many of us know that we have weaknesses? Lift up your hands. Yes. So we need the word to show to us that we have weaknesses that we need to change. Number three, to live intentionally, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth. All he needs to do is just breathe on you. Don't ever be so natural that you forget that you are spiritual. Say to the person next to you, I am spiritual. Say to the person next to you, I am supernatural. What do you mean by that? We all die. When we die, what happened? The spirit departs to live forever and ever, either in heaven or in hell. So we are all spirits. We're all spiritual. We're all spiritual. Amen. I mean, we are all spiritual. The key is that you recognize it. You have the knowledge of your spirituality and use it. Amen. You don't have to try to be spiritual. You are spiritual. Amen. So that's why the Holy Spirit has come on the inside of us. 
Number five, uh, number four. If you could write that down, number four. How can we live intentionally? Number four, by fellowshipping with people of like precious faith. We do have effects on one another. If you are talking negative all the time and I fellowship with you, your negativity will rub on me and I will start to become negative. If you are a fault-finding person and I fellowship with you a lot, I will be like you. We do affect one another for good or for bad. So it's important that you fellowship with people of like precious faith. People who love the word of God. People who believe in the word. People who practice the word. Amen. So that we can bless, build up, encourage one another and correct one another for good. Amen. What is our goal together? To serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Point number five. How can we live intentionally? Actively serve God in your home church. Don't just come and visit your church. Serve. Take your ownership. This is your church. You can build your church. You can strengthen your church. You can grow up in your church. Church gives you the structure. The the Lord Jesus Christ has given us his church called the Ecclesia. We are the church. So that there is a structure. We become accountable to one another. We, We are workers together in the Lord with the same goal, with the same purpose, with the same calling. So you have a structure. You become accountable. You don't live by feelings. You live by principles. You live by duties. You live by your calling. You live by your assignments. You don't just take off whenever you want to. You have a structure that protects you. Do you know what I'm talking about? A structure that protects you. This is your home. This is your family. You grow here and you be trained here and you practice here. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So this will build us up and also facilitate our targeted living. Amen. Let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 29 in the King James Version. I want to draw your attention to this. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 29, the King James. This was when David was going to slay Goliath. He said, uh, can I have the King James please? King James. He said, isn't there a course? King James, is there not a course? First Samuel chapter 17 verse 29 in the King James uh, version. David said, is there not a course? Is there not a course? You can write it down. The King James, is there not a course? On top of Everything that we want to do to live an intentional life, to live a victorious and a successful life, not to live a victimized life. On top of all of that, there is a reason. There is a cause that is bigger than every one of us personally and all of us added together called humanity. 
those who advocate humanity, those who advocate humanism, they would die. The Bible says that for a good man, he would die for his brother. But this cause that God has given us, this reason, is over and above just being human. It's over and above just, you know, dying for the good of another brother. It's over and above every one of us personally and all of us put together call mankind. What is the cause? What is the cause to manifest God on the earth? To manifest God on the earth. It's good that you're sick, you want to be healed. But there's a purpose that's higher than that. I teach divine healing. Yes, it's good that we all can be healed and we stay strong and healthy. But there's a purpose higher than that. Every time when a person gets healed, God is manifesting himself in the midst of men. God is showing himself strong and victorious. There is a reason, there is a reason, there is a cause. It's to manifest God on the earth in your life by the way you live. Look what the Lord has done instead of look what the devil has done. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. What's his reason for victory? This uncircumcised Philistine, he cannot defy the army of the living God. We are the army of the living God, so no sickness can come on our body. We are the army of the living God, so no division in our army. We are the army of the living God. God shows himself in us and through us to the world. Can we say amen? He's the God of success. He's the God of victory. He's not the God of failure. He never fails. He never fails. He's the God of prosperity. He's not the God of poverty. He's not the one to make you poor. He's not the one to make you broke. No. What's the mistake of Job? He made that foolish statement. God giveth and God taketh away. He had no wisdom, no discernment. So the church needs to show the world who God is and what God is like. And that's why doctrines are so important. Can we say amen? To manifest God on the earth. He's the most high. He's the victorious. He's the triumphant one. He's the lover of your soul. It's not that God is after you. That's why he says don't smoke. That's why he says don't drink. That's why he says don't fornicate. That's why he says don't masturbate. He's after your soul. To keep your soul healthy and strong and victorious and righteous and triumphant. He wants to protect you from shame and guilt and self-destruction. Can we say amen? Isn't there a cause? Yes, there is a cause. He's the savior of your soul. Every thought that he has towards you is good. This is the reason for winning souls, for healing the sick, for raising the dead, casting out devils. This is the reason why we teach healing, prosperity, deliverance, and divine guidance. This is the reason why we are serving in the church. Why we are opening and pioneering this church. 
This is the reason why we are fellowshipping with one another. We are the armies of the living God. Can we say amen? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 46. 1 Samuel 17 46. This is what David said. Look at his statement. Look at his voice. He's victorious. He's triumphant. He's already won the battle. He already won it. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. He's talking to his enemy. He's talking to his enemy. Who looked, appeared to be so big and so strong. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. Now we come to the most important statement, the course. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That the earth may know that there is a God in the Water Springs Faith Church. There is a God in your family. There is a God at your workplace that all the earth may know there is a God living on the inside of you. Amen. Isn't there a cause? Intentionally living. When we talk about our enemy, we're not talking about people. When we talk about our enemy, we're talking about sickness and disease, stress, oppression, depression, strife and division, laziness and gluttony. We're talking about a self-indulgent living, temptations and rebellion, etc., etc. Let's finish with this. Intentional living. Come on, say with me, intentional living. Let's look at Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel 18, verse 31 to 32. Are you doing good? Amen. Ezekiel 18 verse 31 to 32. If you can apply what you've heard today to living it, apply what you've heard today to real life, you will succeed. There's no doubt about that. Ezekiel 18 31 to 32. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? Now, I believe in grace. Grace is very, very important and very powerful. But at the same time, you cannot just keep looking at yourself. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm the son of God. (laughs) At the same time, you need to look at the mirror. What's wrong with you? You need to change. Come on, say to the person next to you, change. One more time. Say to the person next to you, change. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. Change and live. God is not saying, okay, you're born again. Everything is good. Everything is fairy, you know, honky donkey or whatever. (laughs) No, he said, turn and live. You can keep confessing I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. If you don't change, nothing will work for you. I'm not cursing you. That's the truth. All right. So identify and develop the new creature in Christ Jesus. Identify and develop the new creature in Christ Jesus. Now what I'm going to say is going to change our lives. Identify and form 
essential, positive, constructive habits. Identify and form essential, constructive, positive habits. That's called putting on the new man. For example, suddenly it occurred to me that, you know, I'm always talking negative. I'm always worrying. I'm always anxious. I'm always predicting what's bad is coming. So I identify that. And what do I do? Change it. Change it. You can get a planner. You know, if you, 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 if you want to join our class, I'll teach you how to make a planner. You can do a planner and then you mark uh, a special page, which is called um, habit formers, habit formers. So you identify the habit that you need to form. So one thing is I need to train my tongue to speak good. So every day you are conscious of that. You are aware of that. And then the minute you say something bad, oh, no, praise the Lord. I'm making a new habit to speak good. And you put a tick on that day. And then the next day, yes, I'm speaking good over my future. I'm speaking good over my job. I'm speaking good over my business. I'm speaking good over my church. I'm speaking good over myself. And then you give yourself a star. That's how we form habits. Habits have to be formed. Can we say amen? So identifying and forming essential positive constructive habits. That's called putting on the new man. Identifying and destroying repetitive negative destructive habits. That's called putting off the old man. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So have a planner. A planner is good for you because then you can see your 24 hours divide into time slots. One hour, another hour, and then another hour. And you see your time as your God-given talents. Everyone has 24 hours, isn't that right? We all have 24 hours, but how we use them. So you can plan intentionally how to use your time, and you can plan intentionally how to change your character for good and better and better and better, and the best is still to come. Can we say amen? Whatever we don't do, we won't get. Things don't just change. Have you ever, like, put your your pork and your vegetables on the kitchen table and then just believe for them to change to an edible form so I can eat them. No, you have to do something. Amen? Do something with them. So that's how we change our lives. Amen? Amen. Can I ask you to close your eyes? Amen. And bow your head. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we 